0: Hi, welcome to Which Witch is Witch, a pop culture podcast about ladies who use magic. I'm Derek. And I'm Regina. And today we're going to be putting two of our favorite witch families head to head. Each of us has brought a family of witches that we're going to rep and we're going to see how it plays out. We're going to compare them to our five irrefutable laws of witchcraft to determine which is the better witch. So, Regina, tell us about the witches that you brought to the table today. Who were your witches?
1: So my witches today are the Sanderson sisters of the perennial Halloween movie classic, Hocus Pocus. Sisters prepare thyselves. Tis her life, boss. The potion works. Take my hands. We will share Oh, witty, really, how generous of thee. There are three sisters, Mary. Winifred and Sarah, and basically, they are witches that lived in the 17th century Salem. They were executed for killing a child and they have come back to present day 1993 because a virgin lit their black flame candle and now they're after some more child souls so that they can live forever.
0: Now that sounds very serious and heavy. Is Hocus Pocus a serious and heavy movie? No,
1: it's so funny. Okay, It's really funny. It's more funny. Watching it today in 2016 to see what 1993 was time-capsuled as in this movie.
0: So let's jump right into the first law of witchcraft. Identifies as female. Do the Sanderson sisters identify as female?
1: Absolutely. And I think Sarah, who's played by Sarah Jessica Parker in the movie, is very much aware of her femininity and like part of her whole thing is that she's like super boy crazy and she's always kind of using her sexuality in a really aggressive but also playful way they're all very much identifying as female in this film
0: okay that's excellent that's easy uh, the second irrefutable law of witchcraft is that they practice magic. I'm assuming this Anderson sisters in the movie Hocus Pocus practice magic. Can you give us some examples of what they do?
1: They do practice magic. In fact, the first time that they're on screen, what they're doing is they're luring a child into their little witch hovel to cast a spell on her to suck out her soul. And all three sisters have uh, magic talents that they use in order to get these children. Sarah uses song as hypnosis to lure children to her.
0: Like a siren.
1: Yes, like a siren. Mary has a smell sense that she can smell children from far away, which sounds like kind of a terrible power, but whatever. It's, It's used to great effect throughout the movie. She's always smelling spelling out the children. And then the the last witch, Winifred, she has finger lightning, which is really cool. And she uses that a lot to like zap people and I don't know what you would call it. She it, it's very show it's very showy. She's got a lot of showmanship. So she uses her finger lightning. It's really cool. And she's also kind of the brains of the operation. She's the one who keeps their spell book named Book that is supposedly, or probably literally, bound in human skin and was given to the three sisters by the devil himself.
0: The third law of witchcraft is demonstrating feminism. How do the Sanderson sisters demonstrate feminism to you?
1: So I would say, yes, the Sanderson sisters are feminist. They definitely believe that as women, they are of equal power to men, even in their 17th century Salem society where we first see them. One of the most poignant parts of the movie to me is when two kind of bully guys that have been messing with the main character, Max, throughout the movie say something to the effect of, why is it always the ugly chicks that are out late at night? And the three sisters turn around in unison, and it's, it's so beautiful. They turn around in unison, and Winifred says, chicks. And then the next shot is the two guys hanging from cages in their ceiling and i really think that we should make a petition for this to be the actual punishment for street harassment
0: oh of course
1: hang from the ceiling in a cage kind of but like maybe instead of the ceiling because my apartment is small and i don't think I i have enough space for that many um cages from my ceiling, but maybe, like, at the crossroads, like, Mad Mardigan in Willow. So, yes, yeah, so I think that they are feminist. From the perspective of a person watching the movie, they might not be considered feminist just because they're overly concerned with vanity. And part of that is because they're trying to get a child's soul so that they can gain their life. They can continue to live past the day of Halloween. But part of it, too, is because they're vain and they want to be young and beautiful. And that's something that uh, has been a trope in witchcraft for a long time is that women are so obsessed with being young and beautiful. And there's this inherent disdain for older women. And that's part of what the fear of witches is, is... Not just women who have power, but also women who are older because they don't fit into the patriarchal viewpoint of like women should be beautiful and Mm -hmm. sex objects and whatever the case may be. There are plenty of older magic users who are men who only get more distinguished and more powerful the older that they get. I'm thinking specifically of like Sauron from Lord of the Rings. Like Christopher Lee is like super old, and he's got the old the long hair and like he's clearly like some old dude sitting in his tower being magically delicious. And you've got these three Sanderson sisters who are clearly very powerful, but so much of their power hinges on them being young and beautiful. I mean, if they spent less time like focusing on trying to be young and beautiful, they would have already taken over the world like four times over,
0: yeah, usually in pop culture, when you see uh, an elder male wizard type, they usually have the long beard and the flowy cloak and a distinguished, like, scowl. Whereas when you see elderly female witches, they tend to have the long hooked nose and warts. They're represented as being sort of decrepit.
1: And hags, yeah.
0: And that's an unfortunate division in the representation of witchcraft in terms of gender.
1: Yeah, totally unfair.
0: I have always been amused kind of by the trope of witches luring young children specifically because the children have an excess of youth. Whereas the witches have a like deficit of it and therefore they're trying to sort of even the scales by taking youth away from the kid and putting it into the witch. It's a weird but very, very alchemy focused way of thinking about humanity
1: yeah and that is the crux of the major magic that's performed during by the witches during this film is that they're making this specific potion that allows them to basically suck the souls out of these children to use the youth for themselves so that they can live forever and continue to be awesome and sing their songs
0: and what songs they are? There's a lot of
1: singing in this movie. It's pretty great. They also do cast a spell on like the adults of the town that they're in that makes them literally dance until they die, and then that's the iconic "I put a spell on you" song <laughs> from the movie, and it's, it is great.
0: Scream Jay Hawkins, such a good song. <laughs>
1: right, I put a spell on you, and now you're mine. <laughs> you can't stop the things i do i ain't lying no no uh, don't them been 300 years right down to the day now the witch is back and there's hell to pay <laughs>
0: All right, so the fourth irrefutable law of witchcraft is coming from a place of persecution or misunderstanding. Can you tell me how the Sanderson sisters are persecuted or misunderstood?
1: So they are persecuted because they are completely understood, which is part of what I like about them in this movie. When we first (laughs) see them, they're on, they've got nooses around their necks, they're getting ready to be hung by, you know, um, angry villagers. And it's because these villages were like, you guys are totally witches. You've been killing our children. And now we're going to kill you because this has to stop. And then again, going back to the singing, then they start singing, which is really super fun. And everybody's like, no, don't listen. Don't listen. And, um, Yeah, so so they're totally persecuted in the beginning because, again, they're totally understood to be who and what they are. And then when they come back in 1993, they are misunderstood in so much that it's Halloween and everybody thinks that they're just like weirdos in costume, which kind of works to their advantage. So they use that in a way to kind of further their aims, which is great. They're very resourceful.
0: Yeah, I've always loved the the recurring trope in pop culture of on Halloween night, you see actual Demons and wizards and creatures just out on the street, and humans are like, Oh, hey, cool costume. All right, cool, time for candy.
1: So, the opposite of that happens in this film. They see somebody who's dressed up as the devil, and they're like, <laughs> <laughs> What kind of costumes are these?
0: <laughs> it's the Sanderson sisters right <laughs> I haven't seen you for centuries but what the heck why don't you come in come
1: into the non-smoking section <laughs> and so they go in and they're and they're like oh you know we we're so excited to see you and all of this and it's it's really great and then he's like oh I'm gonna, I'm gonna introduce you to my little woman and they're like oh yes he' has a little woman
0: they assume she's actually tiny
1: and then it's this woman who's got curlers in her in her hair and they're like <gasps> master married Medusa. (laughs) It's like (laughs) a complete misunderstanding for them that this guy is literal Satan. And it's, it's really great.
0: So the fifth and final irrefutable law of witchcraft is that they be bonded to a sentience larger than themselves. What is the deal with the Sanderson sisters? Where does their power come from? Are they bonded to some sort of sentience larger than themselves?
1: Absolutely. On the one hand, they have clearly made some sort of pact with literal Satan, which is how they get the second part of this, which is their book, which uh, has the their compendium of magic spells, but is also alive in its own right. It, it's got an eyeball in it, and it can kind of float around, and it, it does have a little bit of influence on other characters' in the movie in particular the main character's love interest is kind of tempted to like look in the book and see what's see what's going on so they definitely seem to be accessing their power through either literal satan or through this sentient book that they that they carry around and not having the book depowers them tremendously so part of the plot of the movie too is them trying to retrieve this book So now I've kind of talked your ear off about the Sanderson's. I think they're they're pretty great. If not great, they're definitely powerful. So why don't you tell me about the witches that you have brought to the table today?
0: So I am here to represent the Spellman from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Sabrina the Teenage Witch started as an Archie comic about 50-something years ago. You know Archie is the town of Riverdale. You've got little boy Archie, his best friend Jughead, Betty and Veronica. It's your prototypical American suburban town with romance and dumb things happening because they're in high school and they don't know what they're doing. But in the next town over... There's this teenage girl named Sabrina, and she is a witch, and she comes from a family of witches, and she goes to like a secret witch academy in another realm, and she hangs out with vampires and medusas and all those types of other fun supernatural creatures, and she lives a double life between the two worlds. So super fun. Most people know it because in the 90s, it was turned into a live-action TV show starring Melissa Joan Hart, and that ran for seven years. So when people think of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, they tend to think of her, but the character has been around for a very long time.
1: Hallmark has gone really high-tick. Can he say anything else?
0: I'm not a hologram, honey. I'm just in a different realm.
1: A different realm? I thought you were at the Toronto Midway Motor Lodge.
0: Zelda? Hilda? Didn't you explain to her she's a witch? She
1: doesn't believe us. Not this again. Look, I know you went to a lot of trouble to set this joke up, so... Ha, ha, ha. Now it's over? No. It's just beginning. You are a witch with real magical powers and now that you're 16 you can use them and you wanted something from the gap so what are you saying that i'm not who i think i am you're not who i think you are and my father lives in a book (sighs) finally she gets it let's go into our laws of witchcraft does sabrina and the spellmans of her family do they identify as female
0: the three main characters in the Spellman family absolutely identify as female. So you've got Sabrina, who's the teenage witch of the title. And then you have her two aunts, Hilda and Zelda, who are both females. They're aunts. Uh, she lives with them while she learns about her powers her father was also a witch or wizard, depending on which version of history you're reading. They called him a witch at some points. They call him a wizard at others. He's away doing witchly things in the other realm. Her mother was a mortal, and we don't really see much of her. But yes, Sabrina, Hilda, and Zelda are all definitely ladies.
1: Awesome. And uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume they also practice magic, our second law of witchcraft.
0: They do so much magic. Specifically, most of the witches, especially in the early comics, are very focused on sort of tormenting and tricking humans. They love to do things like have their pants fall down where they're walking down the street or make them forget a date or make their shoes come tied together under the dinner table. They're basically pranksters and they're just here to screw with people Whereas Sabrina, having gone to high school and met teenage boys and hang out with them, she's like, you know, it's not so bad. I can help them out. But she also is very much not into, like, dating boys in the early comics. They change that later on, and she has this long-term crush on a guy named Harvey who goes to high school. But uh, for the most part, she uses her magic to help the kids at school to sort of stop bullying and things like that.
1: So how does she actually practice this magic? Does she say incantations? Does she make potions? Does she just point her finger and go, bam, your shoes are tied together?
0: All of the above, actually. There's a lot of inconsistency in how they use magic because there's different ways to use magic in the world. Uh, the most popular way to see Sabrina do magic, the thing that she does the most, is she'll do a rhyming incantation of some sort. In both the comics and the TV show, they've had instances of her wanting to be in two places at once and she'll actually do the double bubble toil and trouble incantation to make a double of herself
1: nice double double toil and trouble
0: bill shakespeare stole that from us what a (laughs) hack it didn't work step aside wow so yes we most often we see her do some sort of rhyming incantation but also she'll occasionally just point at something and it'll do the thing that she wants And sometimes she'll brew up a potion of some sort. In one of her earliest appearances, she makes a a batch of cookies that she has infused with literal love potion number nine to make two kids in the park just fall madly in love with each other because it's fun to watch kids just fall madly in love with each other for no reason whatsoever.
1: That's awesome.
0: So she does all of the above in terms of making magic.
1: Okay, so do you think that Sabrina and the Spellmans are feminists?
0: While there's a lot to like about them from a feminist perspective, they don't really strive for like women equality in a major way in terms of the actual stories that are told. However, in the publication history of Sabrina as a pop culture figure, absolutely, she is a major feminist character. Before Sabrina came along, the main females in Archie comics were Betty and Veronica, who are just two very different types of average teenage girl who spend most of their time vying for the affection of the boys in school. It's it's one of those age-old questions, are you a Betty or are you a Veronica? It's really dumb. It's really sexist. And while Betty and Veronica have had really fun stories in the comics, it was Sabrina who came along and was like, I don't care about boys. I'm here to do my thing. I'm here to help people out. I'm here to have fun. I'm gonna live my life my way by my rules.
1: Go ahead, Sabrina.
0: Absolutely, you go for it, girl. That was definitely a thing that I think her co-creator Dan DiCarlo brought to the comics in a major way. He came up with Sabrina in I think it was 1962, and that was a big deal at the time. And the following year, his other big creation came along, which was Josie and the Pussycats, which were an all-female rock and roll band who the 90s also had a movie but yeah uh, the Josie and the Pussycats movie was really fun gosh
1: it's all coming back to me Josie and
0: the Pussycats also will be on the upcoming Riverdale TV show which is created by Greg Berlanti who also does the shows like Arrow the Flash and Supergirl there's a show called Riverdale coming out this year which is the story of Archie comics and it will have Josie and the Pussycats they've already been cast they've said that Sabrina will show up eventually but they don't have plans for her right now
1: interesting all right Okay, so do you think that Sabrina and her family were persecuted or misunderstood?
0: Absolutely, yes. Hilda and Zelda are several hundred years old. They come from the time of witches being forced out of Salem and things like that. They are still, for the most part, wicked witches. They are very much into the, like, let's play tricks, let's do mean things, because that's what witches do. They've changed that over time in the comics, especially with the popularity of the Melissa Joan Hart TV series. They've softened the edges of Hilda and Zelda. You know, in their original appearances, Zelda was short and stout with big frock of green hair Hilda was tall and lanky with your typical hook nose and warts and she was more of the hag character who was mean to boys just because Rar, I'm mean to boys whereas Sabrina was nice and kind. And a lot of the early comics were about the overseeing witches from the other realm coming to Earth, observing Sabrina, and being like, you're not being mean enough. You're a bad witch. You're not doing it right. Well, you're a bad witch in that you're bad at being a witch, not in like, oh, you a bad witch. But they want her to be a bad witch, not a um, bad witch.
1: So they would have totally approved of the Sanderson's, but Sabrina, not so much.
0: They would have loved the Sanderson's because the Sanderson's are all about... Basically, being badass witches and kind of just screwing with humanity, whereas Sabrina was very much about, let's all be friends, let's do cool things, let's not be jerks to one another. She was very much an anti-bully comic the whole time, which is interesting, considering how that has become the fashion again recently. There's been a lot of focus on, like, let's stop bullying in modern pop culture. Sabrina has been about that for over 50 years. Interesting. And that was not cool with her family in the comics for a very long time. So Sabrina in particular came from a place of misunderstanding and persecution, but not for the reasons most of us are. Because right. she was actually a nice person, and that wasn't cool.
1: Right. And she doesn't sound like she was persecuted for the same reasons that most witches were persecuted. She was being persecuted because she was genuinely a nice Person.
0: Yeah, one of my favorite comics in Sabrina's history was about how the overseeing witches from the other realm come to earth to observe all the teen witches and see how they're doing. And far too many of the teen witches are being nice. They're helping old ladies cross the street. They're helping people carry their groceries. And they're like, oh, all these teens are failing our test. This is horrible. And then they go to check on Sabrina. Sabrina just went to the beach and she loved it because she didn't have to carry all of her gear. She just like levitated it to the beach and all the people on the beach are like, whoa, how she's carrying those chairs and those balls and that jug of water. How's she doing all that? She uses her magic to, like, pour herself a glass of water. She uses her magic to set up the umbrella so she doesn't have to get, like, too much sun on her. But she basically exhausts her powers. She runs out of, like, magic juice, basically, inside of her. Because, again, they're very fast and loose with the way magic works in these comics. Sure. Uh, And so she's out of fuel, and she's like, well, now I have to carry all my stuff back home. This sucks. Oh, well. And she just picks up her stuff, starts walking home, and the overseeing witches start running their tests on her at that time. So they, like, attempt to have a safe fall on a little old man walking down the street. And she's like, oh, I would help, but I don't have magic right now. Sorry, old man. And the safe narrowly misses. And they're like, wow, she didn't help that man at all. She's really evil. (laughs) And they do a bunch of tests like that. And she just can't help because she doesn't have magic right now. Right. Rather than actually actively ignoring these people in need. So when she gets home, her Aunt Hilda is like, oh, you're going to fail all your tests because you're too good. And then the head witches come and they give her a trophy for being truly evil. They're like, oh, what a good job you did, Sabrina. You really were horrible (laughs) to all those people today.
1: Awesome. Awesome. So speaking of the fast and loose magic, would you say that according to our fifth law, Sabrina and her family access their power through ascensions? Are they bonded to some sentient larger, to them, larger than themselves? How does their magic manifest?
0: Generally, the magic that they pull from comes from one of three sources. It's either tapping the powers of the mind, body, and soul within themselves... Those would be things like telekinesis, powers used by uh, invoking gods or other other dimensional beings. Those would be sort of transfiguration spells, typically, or powers gained by uh, invoking ambient forces in the universe. So those would be things like time travel, teleportation, things like that. So they get their magic from all sorts of places, including gods and greater beings they do commune with another realm a lot of the witches spend their time in what they refer to often as the other realm. And when they need more power, when they need a bigger spell than they can pull off themselves, they will frequently go to that other realm, commune with greater powers there to sort of borrow the strength for that. So they definitely do that. They definitely do go to another realm and discuss with powers bigger than themselves, what to do, how to access the strength they need for the spells they want to cast. So I, th- I feel like that counts. It's not necessarily being bonded to like, oh, here is my goddess. Here is my goddess who gives me the power. It's more of here's the things I need to do. And here are the forces that I need to pay homage to in order to access cool. that power.
1: So it sounds to me like both of our witch families are witches actually according to according to our laws we've set forth we've got two witch families
0: yeah both the sandersons and the Spellmans check off all five boxes on our rule book that's fantastic
1: awesome so i'm interested to know if you were to put the sandersons and the spellmans it's still the 90s let's say you know they're they're in the same place at the same time how are they going to interact with each other
0: Oh, I feel like they would hate each other. You think so? I feel like eventually they would find common ground. It would be sort of a Batman v Superman scenario where they both realize their mothers are named Martha. (laughs) I feel like the Sanderson's and Spellman's would initially be really catty at one another and judge each other and sort of tear each other apart. But then they would realize like, oh, we both love ham. That's great. Let's just have ham. I
1: don't know. I feel like the two, I feel like Hilda and Zelda would be like, sanderson's like let's hang out like let's vacation together in the other realm and sabrina would either be pushed out or would be actively looking to try to get her aunts away from these like bad new friends that they found
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense sorry i've been watching the the live action tv show most recently to get that in my head because it's the most popular version of sabrina totally yeah that in that version zelda and hilda are much more Relatable, nice people, because another representation of witchcraft probably wouldn't have lasted seven seasons in syndication
1: totally okay so so coming from that perspective that's that's also those are also the Spellmans that I remember because i didn't I didn't read the comics, um so the Spellmans that I'm familiar with are the Melissa Joan Hart era of the Spellmans, so yeah, I think that they would probably they would probably hate each other a little bit.
0: Even in that version, they Hilda would, they and they w- Zelda got along with evil witches. They maybe went to witch school together. Yeah. And they have fun memories of witch prom, things like that.
1: I would also say a common ground that they would have is that both families turned a random guy into a cat.
0: Well, actually, <laughs> um, not so much in Sabrina the Teenage Witch. The cat in that is actually another witch being a cat is his punishment for attempting to take over the world
1: oh i see but did
0: but they so salem did they turn
1: him into that or no he's just like their bud who's hanging out
0: no that was that was the witch's council that was part of that larger uh authority in the other realm Taking over the world is not cool. Taking over the world is basically against the rules. You can't use your magic that that way. And so when they discover that he has a very detailed plan to take over the world and he's ready to put it into action, the council basically calls Salem the wizard in and they're like, okay, that's not cool. You're under arrest. You've been tried. Your punishment is however many hundred years as a cat. Boom. And so suddenly Salem is a cat. And now he lives with his friends Hilda and Zelda. Got it. And he's basically stuck as their cat. Got it. He can still do limited magic, but for the most part, he's just their cat.
1: He's just their cat. Yeah. See, in in Hocus Pocus, the Sandersons turn Thackeray, the the character in the very beginning who tries to who ends up being the catalyst for them being hung in the beginning of the movie, um, turns him into a cat as punishment because again he calls them ugly. And so instead of killing him their sentient book cues up a spell for eternal life as a cat.
0: Oh, and super so, fun.
1: So there's also um dude turned into a cat crossover there, but um
0: one of my favorite things about Salem as a cat is that as Time went on and they started to soften Zelda and Hilda in the comics and make them more relatable and likable. They also made Salem more of that negative side of the family. They made him more of like the the devil on Sabrina's shoulder, telling her to do bad things. Interesting. My favorite example of this, a few years ago, they started a legitimate horror comic line at Archie and they started it with a series called Afterlife with Archie, which kicks off with Jughead's dog, Hot Dog, getting hit by a car. And Jughead is distraught. It's his best friend, the dog, like dying in his arms. What he does is he runs over to Sabrina's house with the dying dog in his arms and is like, you have to help. You have to help my buddy. And Zelda and Hilda are immediately like, we can't do that. If he were dying, we could stop it. We could heal him. But he's already dead. He died before you got here. We can't reanimate the dead. Sorry, that's a rule. And so Jughead goes home all sad. And Sabrina's like, I wish I could help. And Salem says to her, well, there are magics that your aunts don't use. Come with me. And he leads her to a copy of the Necronomicon in their library. And she's like, ooh, dark magic. This is fun. And so she flies over to Jughead's house.
1: That's also what I say when I come into contact with dark magic. Ooh, dark magic. This is fun.
0: You just love books that are bound in human flesh. That's your thing. Obviously. But so Sabrina and Jughead go out into the woods. And Jughead buries Hot Dog. And Sabrina does her incantation, and the next day, Hot Dog rises from the grave as a zombie. And he bites Jughead, and thus starts the zombie outbreak that eventually will destroy all of Riverdale. Sabrina doesn't get to see any of this, of course, because when she comes home, Hilda and Zelda have both been like, where'd Sabrina go? And Salem is not very good at keeping secrets, so he tells them about the Necronomicon, and they basically banish Sabrina to the other realm for a year they're like you know what a year is nothing for a witch this is fine you'll see your friends in a year but you screwed up you broke the law get out of town <laughs> and so she misses the zombie outbreak that she started <laughs> now that we've pitched each of our witch families comes my favorite part of the show presume that we each have a coven let's pretend let's air pretend. quote here. Pretend. pretend if we did have again air quotes uh-huh. have a coven yeah. Which family of witches would you invite into your coven? You can only have one—the Sandersons or the Spellmans. Who would you have, and why? Who would be in your coven?
1: Well, I'm—I'm going to go from the perspective that I'm—I'm I'm inviting the 1990s Melissa Joan Hart Spellmans into my coven, and the reason why I'm not inviting the Sandersons is because they are so powerful. I think that I would end up with witch imposter syndrome, and I would be like. Totally worried that the Sanderson's would look at me and be like, "Mm mm-hmm, I don't think so. But the Spellmans, they seem pretty chill. I feel like they would be a nice addition to the Coven. They've got a lot of power. They know how to get into the other realm. I think that they would be good to have around.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They're a lot of fun, especially... Especially the 90s sitcom version. They're a lot of fun. What about you? I would also go with the Spellman, specifically if we're talking about the 90s sitcom version. They're super fun. They're really generous and lighthearted. Their idea of just day-to-day magic is things like making a cake or making like a really handsome escort to bring them to a party where they didn't have a date, and he's just the perfect gentleman, and all the other girls are like, oh, your date is so fantastic.
1: That's what I want.
0: They use really selfish magic in really fun ways. Plus, when you're having your regular coven meeting, you gotta have good snacks. Good
1: snacks. And the
0: Spellmans, they can whip up snacks like nobody's business. The problem being, and once again, this is referring to the 90s sitcom version, they can only conjure... Non-name brand products. <laughs> so when when Sabrina wants a pair of rollerblades, she gets a pair of roller blaws. And so when she's having a study date with Harvey, tries to conjure up some snacks for them, and she comes back with,
1: I found all kinds of great stuff. It's uh not brand name, but I'm um, sure it tastes fine.
0: Schmickers, N and N's, Butter Thumb. Where do these people shop?
1: I don't know, but if you're thirsty, there's. Popsy. Do they have you? No, but they have hay over here.
0: They're all clearly name brand candies and sodas, but not quite. Not quite.
1: They're just slightly off brand. But you know what? That's cool.
0: Having grown up a lower middle class American, I am completely fine with alternative non-name brand stuff. I was a big fan of dad's brand root beer when I was a kid. Uh, I really loved Mm -hmm. Cheesy Mm -hmm. Puffs. Instead of cheese Doodles or Cheetos, you know, those were my jam as a kid. And so I would be totally fine with those snacks. That wouldn't bother me. The important thing is there's a lot of snacks and they were free. Right. And that is what you need to have a successful Covenant meeting. I agree. So the Spellmans are fine with me.
1: I agree. I agree. I say we, we invite them in and then we just don't tell the Sanderson's because I think if they heard that, that, a, the, that the Spellmans got invited but they didn't, that there would be some retribution retribution and it would just be bad news we'd all be cats it would just
0: they would burn my house to the ground
1: probably while you were in it they're really dangerous like and super powerful and they kill
0: people don't get me wrong they are fun to watch yeah Ooh, they are scary scary they're exciting characters and they're very powerful i'm i'm intimidated by them they're they're amazing witches but they're all so scary and i don't want to be near them
1: they're so scary. And I think that's what that is one of the things that I love about the Sandersons in general is that they're so scary and that they should be really unlikable and yet they are so appealing. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's interesting, like how scary and powerful and unlikable they are while still being super appealing. Whereas it sounds to me, again, because I, I haven't read the comics, but from what you said, it sounds to me like the Spellmans started out being a little bit more along the same level of scariness as the Sanderson's, but then got kind of toned down and made more accessible and appealing for the 90s sitcom, which is kind of an interesting transition that they made from being like super scary and dark to uh, a little bit more... um, your cool neighbors next door who can conjure
0: you free snacks. A couple of years ago, Archie relaunched Riverdale in a new comics universe with like A-list talent attached, and it's been really, really fun. The new Archie book, the new Jughead book, they've been a lot of fun. I just read the new Josie and the Pussycats, and it's fantastic. They just introduced Sabrina into the Jughead comic last month. They had her first appearance, and she is great so far. She's charming. She's super fun. She's really witty and clever and just a ball. She's absolutely fantastic. We have not met Hilda and Zelda yet, so it's yet to be determined whether in this new version of Riverdale, they are scary or they are nice. We'll find out. I'm looking forward to it. I'm really enjoying those comics a lot.
1: Nice. All right.
0: All right, so I think that wraps things up. It sounds unanimous. We both really would like to hang out with the Spellmans. We're both really impressed by the Sanderson's, but we would really love to hang out with the Spellmans. Agree.
1: Oh, will the Sandersons and the Spellmans have a uh, dance musical number? There's a lot of singing in that in that movie. Do they ever sing? In-
0: um, they don't sing so much on the Sabrina sitcom, but they do dance a they lot. Do you
1: dance? Okay, so maybe they can be like the fly girl backup dancers to the Sandersons.
0: I'm down with this. The Sanderson's can be the R&B jazz trio at the front of the stage and Mm -hmm. the Spellman's will be the dancers at the back of the stage. Yes. This is great. I love this. Yeah,
1: I would love to see that performance. There would probably be a lot of production value, a lot of finger lightning, maybe you know, some other stuff in the back. I'm just thinking of the snacks. I'm thinking of the Spellman's like conjuring like free off-brand snacks to toss into the into the
0: crowd. Yeah, instead of confetti falling down during their big number, it's just a bunch of snooker bars and. and <laughs> snooker
1: bars and Popsy.
0: What, what would the off brand Milky Way be? Milky Woos? Milky Woos. Milky Woo bars falling from the ceiling. Yeah. That's great. Lots and lots of bags <laughs> of rufal chips. <laughs> rufal chips. Yeah. Cans like, of prongles.
1: <laughs> prongles. Yes. <laughs> that would hurt. Ouch.
0: Why did you that drop a tennis wrong. can on me? <laughs>
1: to If you're coming to this performance, it, you would have to, like, have umbrellas, like, lined up at the beginning. You would have to, like, take an umbrella on your way and, like, why do I need this umbrella? And then when there are prongles raining down on you, you'd be like, glad I had this umbrella. Prongles.
0: All right, so that wraps things up for this episode of Which Witch is Which.
1: So, how do you feel about those witches? Who would you invite into your coven? Let us know. You can write to us at witchwitchcast at gmail or tweet us at witchwitchcast.
0: That's W-H-I-C-H-W-I-T-C-H-C-A-S-T.
1: Until next time, remember to keep all of your books that are bound in human flesh off of the radiator. Ouch, it's hot.